Did you know locums docs make, on average, 33% more than employed docs? Got your attention now? So, if you're considering locum tenants, either full-time or on the side, you probably have a question or two, or maybe even 20. Locumstory.com is packed with unbiased information and tools to see what the trends are in your specialty and even make a decision if locums is right for you. My advice? Make locumstory.com the go-to place to learn more about locum tenants. That's locumstory.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I have Dr. Janet West, uh, Dr. Janet West, MD, M- MD MBA, um, as well as founder and owner of RVA Baby, uh, which is a concierge pediatric newborn practice in Virginia. Um, that's actually something I've never heard of. Uh, I've never heard of like a concierge practice for newborns uh, and definitely pediatrics. Uh, I didn't know that you could really do that and be profitable. So that's why we have you on the show, Dr. Jan, to come and talk about one, uh, you starting this practice as well as, you know, how you've been able to recognize as well as defeat burnout. So first of all, Dr. Janet, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, good, good, good. We're excited to have you here. Look, let's jump into this. Tell us a little bit about RVA Baby. What is that? So RVA Baby is what I call a holistic um, newborn practice. And what that means is because I'm doing house calls and taking care of newborns at home from zero to three months, um, it allows me to provide like full scope care with the family centered. Um, so everything from your lactation support to bilirubin testing to any type of special care a newborn might need in that first three months, that's what we do. And we do it with mom and dad in mind to help them transition through that postpartum period. Yeah, this is really rare, though, isn't it? Like you're almost like a unicorn. There's not many newborn concierge practices out there. Exactly. So there's some house calls practices and you'll see them popping up around the country. So you, it's just straight pediatric house calls. But my focus, because my love is for newborn babies, so I decided that I was just going to focus on newborn care. And I came to the idea of newborn care because I was having some burnout issues. And a good friend of mine was like, you don't need to quit medicine. Like, figure out what you love about medicine. And I was always that resident that would, like, sneak up to the nursery in the middle of the night and play with the babies. And Oh, that was you. Um, you was that one. That, I was that one with the grandmas in the rocking chair with the newborns. That was all me. And so <laughs> babies are like, I mean, they're just amazing, miraculous little beings. And so I was finishing up my MBA and interviewing to be a CMO, um, was offered a CMO job. And decided oh, so I you was like about any- to transition out. You was done. Oh, yeah, I was out. Yeah. Okay. But in all of the interviews I did, I was just like, I, I don't really feel like I fit with these people. You know, this whole idea of pushing physicians to put out widgets and, you know, this fake sense of quality that that you're supposed to have. So we're doing quality initiatives. And that just means making the system run smoother so people don't get angry. Um, yeah, I really like wasn't interested ma- in that. Middle management almost. Exactly. So I finished up my MBA, quit my job in New York, came back to Virginia. And as a matter of fact, before I left New York, I had started RVA Baby LLC. So I came up with the name and hadn't seen a patient, didn't have articles of incorporation yet, had nothing. Um, But- Where where were you working before this? You said you were in New York City? Mm -hmm. So I was working at an FQHC. What was your practice style? Okay, so Um, federally qualified Yeah, it was an FQHC. 
And I was a medical director for the pediatric division. So they had in-school um, clinics. They had mobile units. Um, I was the medical director for the entire school health system there in Albany. And I also sat on their Medicaid oh, transformation New York. team. Yeah, I was in Albany. Yeah. 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 Like you get that snow snow. <laughs> okay. You get that. <laughs> all right. Got you. So you was, that was yeah, not right, fun. Got you. Got you. Okay, how long have, were you in that type of practice style for? Actually, I've been medical director at a lot of different places, like in military um, clinics. I've, I've been medical director, but I went to New York simply because A, I had an empty nest and I was ready for a new adventure. And <laughs> And um, so, you know, I found a cute little place. Someone offered me a job and I was like, hey, we'll go do it. And the interesting thing about that FQHC was that we had lots of immigrants and refugees from Burma and the Middle East. So I got to like really experience all this big multicultural type of, you know, practice where you, you know, you had to you had to be quick on your toes because these aren't your everyday patients. So. I, I just love that. And uh, the reason why I came back home is because after being there for a year and being away from the family, I was like, eh, I guess it's time to come back. So, mm, Okay. So you did. opened up, you started the process of opening up your own practice in the midst of kind of being burnt out and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's, it's, uh, there's one thing to recognize that you're burnt out. And I think there's a, there's another thing to, um, taking the next steps and then also the next step is opening up something that there aren't many of. Um, so take us through that process of why did you decide to focus specifically on the newborn part and then monetizing that in a practice? How did you say, okay, based off of what I'm learning, this is something that's profitable. Like, did you have to do like market research in the areas that you're, cause you were, you were leaving New York city, coming back to VA. I'm sure mm -hmm. like you had to evaluate if this is even if there's even a market Feasible. Yeah. Right. And um, Richmond has been going through a baby boom for a long time. There are lots of big companies here, Capital One, JP Morgan. Um, so this is a town that's growing. We have lots of growing families. So I did know that when I came back. Um, but the other thing that I have to be honest about was I'm not a risk averse person and I took the leap too early. And I realized that because I left New York, came here with no job and <laughs> decided to start a new practice, right? That's not the way to do it necessarily. So I just jumped right into it. And because I didn't have a model to follow, I was, I feel like I was able to be more flexible. You know, do I need an EMR? I don't need that. You know, what, what is the need in the community? One of the things you learn when you're getting an MBA and you're doing marketing, it's like, okay, if there's a problem, you, you need to show people that you have the solution. And I figured out early on that when I was in um, practice in the clinic, I would have these moms come in. They had a C-section 24 hours later. They're sitting back in my office, you know, new circumcision. I mean, new, new um, C-section scar and new baby. And they only get to spend 10 to 15 minutes with me. And so they go home, they're overwhelmed, they're not prepared. And then they start Googling. Um, the flip side of that, when I was a hospitalist, I would send moms home and dads home and I'd say, hey, your baby needs to be seen first thing in the morning so they can have a weight check on a bilirubin. And that also didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel like that's how you should provide 
care to new moms. And the European model is is that you have that support at home for the first six weeks. So I decided to do something that sort of looked like that European model. And one of my biggest challenges early on was because I didn't think about profitability when I started this. I thought I was thinking Mm, about this is what I want to do. Okay, I got you. So So the passion came first. The passion came first, and which is true to form for, for the way I function. Like I said, I'm not very risk averse and sometimes that's to my detriment. So um, long story short, I joined some of the local networking community and I met someone who does web design. I met someone who does brand design. I met an attorney and I met all of these wonderful people. Um, there's a local group called Rebel and they it's like a female entrepreneurship group and they had a big conference and I met so many people there that I could connect with and then start going out into the community and making connections. This episode is brought to you by locumstory.com. Backdrop, 2012, finishing my fellowship in Miami, and no decision bigger than where and how I was going to start working on my own. And there it was, the fork in the road, being employed versus something I had never heard of before, locum tenants. So I decided to go the locums route, and I had a ton of questions then, I stumbled a bit, but eventually I was able to stand on my own and I have been working locums over the past 10 years. Now, what about you? If you're considering locums, you probably have hella questions just like I did. Like, who covers my malpractice? Do I really have control over how often I work? And what are the tax implications? Now, lucky for you, locumstory.com has the answers you need. It's packed with unbiased information and advice from docs just like you. And there's nothing to sell here. It's just a simple resource for information, like finding out what's the average pay rate for your specialty. There's even a quiz to see if locums is right for you. So listen, take my advice. Locumstory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about locums. That's locumstory.com. From moving to Virginia to actually starting to practice what kind of timeline are we talking about um 15 months 15 months wow Mm -hmm. and this this was going to be a like you're going to have the goal was to have like an actual establishment like a building brick mortar or is this supposed to be like mobile um it's completely mobile so initially my vision was for it to be completely mobile my car is my office and so that limits the overhead right i don't have Um, I don't need a bunch of equipment. I, you know, I just need things that I can carry into the home and do all the things that I need to do for a baby. Um, so the overhead was, was very minimal. Getting funding was hard because people kept looking at me going, "Mm, do you think that's scalable? Mm." So funding was a challenge. I never got any seed money. I actually went and did locums work while I was running this business early on until my patient, um, my, my reputation um, began to um, grow in the community. Um, and there was lots of pivoting because like I said, there was no template for it. Um, the interesting thing is, is that when you're opening a practice, you think about as a physician that you're gonna network with other physicians in the community. Um, but, Everybody in the community and a lot of these people I know looked at me like I had two heads when I said I wanted to do this practice. They really did. So I can imagine a lot you're, of disrupti- the net- you're disrupting a lot of the I can imagine you disrupting referral patterns. 
Um, as well mm-hmm. as people are like, well, should I send you a patient who I don't know? Like, first of all, I'm not familiar with this practice. How do I know this practice is going to be there in a year, two years? Why would I send patients to you? I can imagine that's what they possibly were thinking. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And so out of the blue, a midwife called me who does home births and I connected with her. So RVA Baby started as being part of the birthing community in Richmond, which is robust in terms of home births and birthing centers, even midwives at some of the big hospitals like VCU um, in town. Um, So that's where the connection started. And then my reputation began to grow in the pediatric space. So now pediatricians are like, hey, you can see Dr. West for the first two months because they recognize that they're really not able to care for those those babies and those moms the way they should be. So how do, how does someone like how do you convince a newborn uh, or how do you convince families or parents to go towards you instead of the normal pediatrician who's going to see them you know in 2 to 3 days or something like that and make sure that you know they haven't lost weight or anything like that um and definitely uh something that is covered by insurance right how do you present that pricing model to someone that's like yo your insurance is going to cover going to this traditional thing, or you can come and see me and do ABCD. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. So early on, my prices were super low. Like my prices were about maybe 30% of what they are now. Dr. West, um, yo, you got to turn the lights on, man. You got to pay for gas. It, you know? So yeah, so <laughs> there goes my retirement. Don't tell anybody. But, <laughs> but um, now I feel like I'm, you know, charging what the market will bear, but all of my, all of my clients are referred by word of mouth. So it's okay. like somebody in church had a baby and they're like, you have got to have Dr. West. I don't care what you do. You have got to have Dr. West. And do you find I'm that to be a hard with, sell to pay cat to get these new, you get these parents to pay cash or is this like already like, cause you know, there's certain communities or there's certain community mm-hmm. uh, people who are just like, you know, like, all right, they're going to pay for this, right? And then there's other people who are like, oh, no, if it's a whole community that's like, yeah, we got insurance, we good. <laughs> or they used to kind of, of coming it. out of pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a mix. Like, I have a huge demographic, right? So I have, you know, moms that live in million-dollar houses or families that live okay. in million-dollar houses gotcha. on the river. And then I have some folks who legit live in the hood and grandma and grandpa, you know, pulled money together so that they could have the care. Um Where I am right now, though, is that the word of mouth isn't pushing me into the revenue stream that I'm looking for. So I want to be more proactive about marketing, which is why, you know, I connected with um, a group to do some video and some promos so that I can start getting the word out. Because I can't tell you how many times people have said, you do what? If I had known about you when I had my baby. Um, So that's kind of where I'm going. Just see if I can't see that that revenue stream going. Now, I can imagine like, you know, things don't normally happen during office hours. So what's it like? Because a concierge, I'm thinking that they have access to you 24 seven. And there's that notion that, you know, the likelihood of there being an emergency is really low. But in newborn land, you know, you have newborns and then you also have new parents oftentimes. I can imagine like you're up. There's a lot of phone calls in the middle of the night, right? No, I can count on one hand in five years plus how many times I've got a middle, gotten a middle of the night phone call. And that's because when I am with them, I'm not only doing an exam, but I'm talking to them and I'm pointing things out. That belly button is probably going to get funky. You see these rashes? This is what this looks like. 
you know, we talk through all of it. We talk about soothing. We look at the bed space, the sleep space. I'm in it for an hour. I'm watching latching. And then I'm talking about newborn behavior, talking about what does cluster feeding look like? You know, all those types of things so that they're prepared and they do feel prepared. And the interesting thing is my families are so awesome because they will wait until seven o'clock before they start texting me because I always tell them between 7 a.m. and 10 p.m., anything that's non-urgent, um, go for it, right? If it's urgent, urgent in the middle of the night, then call me in the middle of the night if you have to. But I always tell them, you define what urgent is. That's not my place to do it. And they will wait till seven o'clock and they'll be like, Dr. Okay. West, he was so gassy and fussy last night. I was like, well, we talked about this, right? So what did you do? And then we just talked through it. Um, it really is a relationship that I have with them. And this is a per month, uh, it's a membership fee, like they pay per month. It is actually there are packages. So I call them like retainers. So if mm -hmm. you want one month of care, there's a set price. If you want two months or if you want three months, there's a set price for each one of those packages. And then I have, because we're now dealing with inflation and a lot of people are worried about money. So for a lot of my moms, they just want that one initial newborn visit at home. So they don't have to go to the pediatrician until like their two week visit. Um, so I have that established. And then the other big change that I made was to start a direct primary care, which is like another arm of RVA, RVA baby. It's called RVA baby plus because revenue was doing this. Like if it was baby boom season, we were, we were doing well, we were kicking butt. But if it wasn't baby boom, boom season, then, you know, I was seeing a lot of dips in my revenue. So I started a direct primary care with just 100 kids and that's a monthly membership for 12 months. So for one kid or two kids or three kids, there's a different tier. And then if they want vaccines, then they pay out of pocket for the vaccines. And that has really helped stabilize my revenue. So from month to month, I have like predictable revenue coming with the newborn in-home care on top of that. So I see babies in the office in the morning and then I do my house calls visits in the afternoons and I do Saturdays and Sundays. You know, I, I actually can see how a pediatric practice would really flourish in, in um, you know, for certain folks, because, you know, as someone who had who's a father to a five year old and a three year old, you know, sometimes, you know, trying to get your child into your normal pediatrician's office, you know, for a sick visit is is difficult, particularly if you're mm -hmm. working, um, if yes. you're single. Um, those are really difficult to fit them in during the timing that works uh, not only for the doctor, but also works for you as a parent. It's tough. Um, so I, I, I'm really interested in that. So how long did it take for the, your business to really, quote unquote, be like profitable with this type of model? Um, I would say two years ago is when I really mm -hmm. like felt like it hit my stride. Like I didn't have to do any more locums work. I wasn't, you know, picking up side hustles every now and then. I feel like two to three years ago, I was in it. And the um, the other piece to that is one of my challenges, actually, is that because families have my cell phone number, my my RVA baby phone, they will. And this has been happening a lot this week. They'll text me and say, Dr. West, I can't get in to see my pediatrician or nobody will call me back. And I really just want to run this by you. And my husband, my husband was like, you need to stop giving away money because that's free care, free advice. Sure, <laughs> so I see. one of my challenges is sort of like, you know, cutting the umbilical cord because they all have the option. Everybody, I, I will tell them once you graduate from RVA baby, if you need an acute visit, like a sick visit at home, I will do that for you. This is how much it costs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what what does I'm, graduating from RVA baby mean? It means that it's time for your baby to, to transition into a typical new, um, pediatric clinic. Yeah. So that's, and that's where I want you to clarify. And it, uh, if you could help me. So how does this work? Like, are you the primary pediatrician for these parents for, or for these newborns? Or is this in combination? Are you almost like an urgent care for newborns, basically, so to speak, that's in a concierge no. model or? It's a, it's full scope pediatric care. So I'm okay. their PCP for that first one, two or three months. And after now they I graduate, if I they need it. urgent care, I give it. If they join my practice, um, they just, you know, they can schedule online. They can come see me if they have any issues and they can text me and they can get consults online as a part of their membership in the DPC part of it. So your specialty, um, is, you're saying that your niche specialty is that one to three month range. And then if they graduate, they can go see a regular or excuse me, they can go see a pediatrician uh, in a traditional sense. If they want to continue to work with you, then it becomes almost like a deep, direct primary care where you're seeing, you know, five year olds, six year olds, and ex seven year olds. And exactly. So OK, now I, I get it. I And I trained with most of the pediatricians in this community because I, I went to VCU and MCV for residency and med school. And so now everybody, it's funny, everybody's figured out what I do and now they're more comfortable with it. So when I see them, I send a summary to that pediatrician. If there's something to keep an eye on, I send all of that information over to them. So they have the complete record. They know that I've given them good lactation support. You know, they, they, when they get that baby, that baby is sort of out of that newborn window for the most part. So it's not as intense for them. Um, they're not having to worry about missing calls from new mothers and that kind of stuff because it's hard in a traditional practice to support new families. You just don't have the bandwidth because you have that, to. And that's what I want. Yeah. And that's what I want to know. Like, what's the relationship with the traditional pediatricians who normally would do this and now they see you coming up? Is it more of a relief to them or is it kind of like, oh, we got beef. We got like she's our competition and, you know, we got to do whatever we need to do to make this happen and get her off. Like, how, what's that like? I have had zero of that. Really? Zero what? Beef or zero of beef? If okay. zero beef. If there's beef, I'm not aware of it. Seriously. I okay. I um I will say that somebody's coming to my door for some breast milk. Um I will say <laughs> I will say Hey guys, that we there keep it. This some, is how we do it. This is reality uh podcasting. That's there you how we go. Like yeah. <laughs> I will say, you know, there are two there's another concierge pediatrician that doesn't do house calls. And then there's another one who just does house calls from zero to 21. And when I started RVA Baby, they were already in practice and they brought me in and embraced me and said, hey, it's so good to have another person out here doing this work. Um, and that felt like I've met them for lunch and seen them at events. And we are always very cordial. And I refer, the other benefit is you have these new parents, they're looking for me to help them choose a pediatrician. And so we go through that process. We go through the vaccine schedule in detail, ad nauseum. We talk about what transition to a pediatric practice looks like. And then I try to find a pediatrician that's a good fit for them. And that might be, mean, okay, this family is hesitant about vaccines. This practice is sensitive to that. Or, you know, this family is all anti-medicine. There's somebody in the community that can do that too. So it's about helping them make a decision about what's the best thing for them as they transition into a new practice. So I've gotten a lot of respect because they know those kids are coming to them. You know, I'm, I'm interested in how you're able to convince, um, you know, because it looks like you have a wide spectrum 
in the socioeconomic status of the parents, right? Like you said, you have mm-hmm. some parents who um, are able to afford million dollar homes um, and then parents who not so really are able to afford that and maybe um, struggling to some extent. So for the folks who are who are listening and they're like, hey, I want to do something like that, but maybe I live, you know, in New York City and I'm in the Bronx or I live in, you know, someplace else where there's a large proportion of, you know, a, like a depressed econ- socioeconomic state, but there's a need mm-hmm. for this, obviously. Like, how do you convince them? What's what? What are the things that you do to convince your patients who come from that type of background to you, like, to ditch the traditional uh, model and to use mm-hmm. your model and to come out of pocket and pay for that? What methods, tips? How are you convincing them? Marketing to convince them to do that? Um, two things. Um, about four years ago, a family that I worked with decided that they wanted to donate money to RVA Baby for parents who couldn't afford it. And I was like, okay, what do I do with this money? So I have a dear friend who runs a nonprofit. Um, She's like, she runs our regional capital area health education center. And so we were able to put a line item on her budget. So folks would donate money and folks in the community, if they saw a family that they felt like would benefit from the services, but couldn't afford it, would refer them. And so that would cover some of that cost. That's the first thing. Um, so I don't, it's not a functioning nonprofit per se. Um, the nonprofit is the area health education center, but this is one of the ways that, cause they're, one of their missions is maternal mental health. And so that's one of the ways that I can support that demographic. The other thing is again, Mima, Papa, aunties will buy gift certificates. You know, when people are like, gosh, I really want to do this, but I can't afford it. I was like, put it on your baby shower registry. Um, Uh, you know, you don't need all the things that you think you need. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. Rather than have like five baby warmers, like one, one, one uh, white warmer is needed. The rest can go towards possibly purchasing this. I see. So you, you're more realistic. The way how people look at like funding a 529 kind of similar. Yeah. It's like, what's the most important thing right now? You know? So, um, and, and people, People will spend money on things that they want if they see the value in it, right? They, and this isn't true across the board, but you know, to some degree, if they can get, if they feel like it's worth it enough, they're going to do what they need to do to get it. Um, and so, I think that sort of helped on the lower end. I have a lot of families that are entrepreneurs; they own restaurants, and they don't even have health insurance. Um, so, you know, that's another demographic there too. You know, I'm interested as last question is, is you, you said that you help the parents specifically, you know, obviously mothers. And I think that's where everybody has their attention towards mother and child. Um, but you also say you help fathers. So I'm really interested, like what specifically do men need? What kind of help do they do you normally see based off of your practice patterns that fathers need to become better fathers as someone who's done this twice already? Um, but mm-hmm. we do have a good you know, component of guys who are listening. Which, which, what do you normally give in terms of like prescriptive advice or advice for them? Well, the very first thing I want to do is help dads be seen because everything is focused on baby and mom. Right. And so I, mm-hmm, yes, yes, yes. Dads get all the love. And so, especially if there was a traumatic birth, like mom will be like, oh, this happened, that happened. And I look at the dad and I say, hey, you know, how are you doing? That goes a long way. Um, when I'm talking to parents, if I notice that the dad's not engaged, I'm like, all right, what's going on here? And I I tell dads in the presence of mom, I tell moms in the presence of dads, I'm sorry, 
you need to let him do what he needs to do with the baby to get to know the baby. You can't control everything. Let him help you. Don't correct him. He's not going to hurt the baby. So, you know, I know mama bears there. You guys are a team and you need to let him experience this in his way. I have that conversation a lot. Like he wants to help you, but you can also create a space where he doesn't feel like he's needed or wanted. And then he's going to pull back and not help. Um, I, when I do visits, if dad's in the other room, like I've had a couple families, like dad's on the, on the game box or I'm like, dude, come on in here. This is a family visit. This is not a baby visit. This is a family visit. Get off that computer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I can tell when they're fighting. If I go in and they're not making eye contact, thumbs up. And I have no qualms about pointing out the elephant in the room. What's going on? You guys aren't working together. What happened? And, you know, we get all kinds of responses, but uh, there's a little marriage counseling that I do in there too. Just a little bit. I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, look, this, this was great. Um, Why don't you take a moment real quick, just kind of let people know about where, if they want to get in contact with you, they can get in contact with you or even just learn more about your practice. Cause I'm sure um, we have residents who are listening. You know, we even have some Mm -hmm. young attendings who are thinking about doing something very similar and would like to maybe reach out to you or kind of learn you know, from a graphic or website standpoint, how are you doing things? Awesome. Well, my website is um, www.myrvababy.com and they can email me at what's next at myrvababy.com. Um, one of the things I did want to mention is that I do plan to move into other markets as I grow. Um, so that would be a great way to partner with somebody who's looking to do this, you know, in Atlanta or in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, in different communities. So there's some communities where this is a really good model for growth and for practice. So we want would, to would this be like a franchise model or just be, would it be like your franchising or you'll be like, this is still, you'll be, cause how, uh, when you say partner, I'm assuming you'll get another doctor who, or several other doctors who are in other areas. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you would own or you kind of franchise it out? Um, I'm still debating that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there are some benefits to, controlling the show, so, so to speak, like me being the medical director for all of those different regions, but I'm also getting old. And <laughs> so, um, and so there's some things about franchise that look good too, right? You know, so, you know, I give them all the things, give them all the marketing, they pay me this, you know, lump sum of money and, and we get some residuals from their practice as they move on. I, you know, I can see some joy in that too. Hmm. So it'd be very interesting. I always want- you should keep you should keep keep us in contact and let us know because I'd be really I interested will. to see when you start to expand what kind of model you take. But I cut you off. Go ahead, go ahead and finish what you're saying, please. I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> ah, okay. Don't worry. We'll figure it out when 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 we when we stop recording. That's when it'll come back, and that's kind of how it works in podcasting. But Dr. Janet West, this was great. You know, uh, Dr. Everyone listening, this is a newborn concierge. Uh, practice as well as a direct primary care practice for once they go past, uh, you said what, three months? Three months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was a really interesting lesson case study on uh, doing something that maybe you don't have a huge model on, but just kind of just going out there on passion and kind of building your parachute once you jump and just figure it out as you go. And as you all heard, she's profitable. Um, We will definitely have the links to your, um, to get in contact with you as well as with your practice in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any other parting words that you may want to say anything that you want to leave the audience with before we, uh, before we leave? Um, I guess the big piece of advice I have is don't underestimate yourself. Mm, there you you know, go. Boom. there are going to be days when you want to quit yourself, like 
there have been many days I'm like, I quit RVA baby, but don't underestimate yourself. Stick it out. <laughs> Follow your vision. You'll get there. Just, just gotta be patient. You might be broke a little bit, but you'll get there. Appreciate that. That's dope. So y'all uh, make sure you check out the show notes uh, and the links to get in contact with Dr. Janet West. Once again, pediatric newborn concierge clinic. I haven't seen too many of those. And uh, this was really a great uh, case study and great to hear from you. And I wish you nothing but success. And I'm very interested to find out in a couple of years, if you're able to branch out, if you decide to take the, you know, owning the practices in the other mm -hmm. cities, or if you decide to do like a franchise model, but nonetheless, kudos to you and congratulations. Thank you. I'll reach out to you and let you know. Maybe, maybe we can talk funding. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> All there those go. things. Got, yeah. We got some ideas here on this show on how to figure this out. So. All right. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks again for listening as well as supporting Docs Outside the Box. Listen, this show is produced by Darko Media Group and the dope audio experience is edited by the one, the only Christian Parry, also known as your podcast pal. Links to him in the show notes. Listen, this is Dr. Nee, the Doc Outside the Box. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.